0: Everybody, Welcome to Episode 78 of the Deep Ball, Career 9 Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palillo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman. Core, five weeks left of the regular season. I'm excited to recap Week 13, get into the Week 14 preview, and kind of give you guys a little bit more of a playoff insight, too. I mean, like I said, five games
1: left for some teams. It's uh, It's stretch time. I mean, yeah, we're kind of heading towards the home stretch. Football season just goes by so fast. I mean, only 17 games. And yeah, in both leagues it's kinda kinda tightening up like it usually does. And yeah, I mean, you get this is where the season counts the most. You gotta get wins now. And yeah, a lot of crucial games this past weekend. Uh excited to get into it.
0: Yeah, we got crucial games to recap. We got big time injuries
1: to go over and
0: also a former number one overall pick on waivers that we will definitely talk about. Soon. We will start first, core with the Cincinnati Bengals and another former number one overall pick, Joe Burrow, defeating the Kansas City Chiefs for the third time in the last calendar year. He's got his number. I mean, it's the only thing it seems like Patrick Mahomes hasn't done in his NFL career now is beat Joe Burrow. I mean, core. I guess I'll start with you. I mean, this rivalry that we always talk about, Mahomes and Allen being like the one 2 the future of the league and stuff like that. No, the divisional round is going to be this rematch for years to come and stuff like that. Joe Burrow's like, well, guess what, guys? I still haven't lost to Mahomes. So maybe we got something brewing in store there. And Burrow wants a little piece of this
1: pie. Yeah, I'll give Burrow one thing. The guy is definitely a winner. I mean, at LSU, obviously won the national championship and made it to the Super Bowl last year. Like the guy wins games, I think. I saw something. It's like I forgot who said it. Someone I think he might have been on the Bengals or Chief. I think it was definitely had to be the Bengals. No way someone on the Chiefs said it. They were like Mahomes and Burrow is like Manning and and Brady. Like one, I don't agree with that. I'd say that more is along the lines of Allen and Mahomes. If you're really going to compare, just like how dominant they are. But hey, I mean Joe Burrow just wins games. I mean every single time they've won, it's been by. A field goal. I still think I'd still I'm still riding with the Chiefs. Like if these teams meet in the playoffs on the podcast, I don't care where it's at. I'm taking the Chiefs. I don't know what it is. I mean, Joe Burrow does have Mahomes' number, but I mean this game wasn't really able to see much. They just like they just have a knack. I mean, they come back in this one. Chris Evans catches what went on to be a game-winning touchdown. Just I don't know what it is. I feel like I mean, the offense, their their defense is able to, like, hold Mahomes and everyone in check. Like, Mahomes had a rushing touchdown and a throwing touchdown in this one, but, like, only threw for 223 yards. Like, he wasn't going crazy like he was on other defenses. And, yeah, I mean, in the playoffs last year, I think the Chiefs had that game. But, I mean, um, the Bengals came out in second half and overtook them, kind of. But, yeah, I just got to give credit to the Bengals. I mean – We're talking, we haven't really given the Bengals the respect that like they like they were AFC champions last year. And I think this year they've kind of got off to a slow start. And even on this podcast, I feel like they're kind of going under the radar. Like we're talking Bills, Chiefs, we're even like putting Miami. Like we're not giving the Bengals any love. I mean, you could talk about this game, but I mean the Bengals, if you're gonna make a case, certainly are in the top three in the AFC. But and they're definitely showing that right now. And you get Jamar Chase back. Mixing back next week, like definitely a dangerous team going forward for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, you definitely took some words right out of my mouth that I was going to talk about. We keep saying Miami's the clear number three in the AFC. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think Cincinnati over the past couple weeks has really been playing a lot better. Their defense continues to fly under the radar too. It is a very underrated unit and above average defense across a lot of metrics. And they keep Patrick Mahomes in check. This week, really don't, don't allow any explosive plays. The Chiefs ran the ball. It's on 25 carries for all of their rushes combined to only 27 attempts for Mahomes. I mean, you just look at that breakup. That's kind of unconventional for the Chiefs in a pretty close game. You would definitely, if you actually expect to see those numbers a little differently. I'll say this. The game kind of turned a little bit early in the fourth quarter. The Chiefs were up by four, and Travis Kelsey was stripped, fumbled. Then I believe on that drive, I don't know if – I believe that drive, The I don't remember now if the Bengals scored off that drive. Besides the fact Mahomes takes a sack on third down, backs him up a little bit. Harrison Bucker misses a field goal about four minutes after and that was it. The Chiefs never got the ball back. The Bengals converted on some huge third downs late. Both of their big guys, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, both had two huge third down conversions to ultimately let them wind the clock down and end up with a victory there. So their big playmakers come up with big time plays. You mentioned them getting mixed and back. I thought Piron actually looked pretty good in this one as well. Ran for over a hundred yards on the ground. This is, this is a good football team core. And they are, be- I, like, I don't want to say maybe they're better. I think that, you yeah, know, they are better than they are last year. I'm not, like this, that the Bengals last year in 2021 were a team that won a lot of close games. They rallied around in the second half. And if you ask me in the playoffs, I mean, I I feel like I'm beating a dead horse. I did not think that they deserved to win really more than one playoff game. Even if you could argue that Raiders game, they kind of felt like I felt like they escaped that game. They kicked too many field goals. But th- this team's going to make some noise come January. I, we'll pivot to the AFC North conversation because the Ravens are also at eight and four. Even before Lamar Jackson like went down with an injury, like even if he didn't go, go down with an injury, I still think the conversation me and you would be having is that this Bengals team is significantly better than the Ravens and probably will end up ultimately winning the AFC North. But even now with the Lamar injury, I just think it makes it that much clearer if you ask me. I mean, I don't think these two teams, especially on like the defensive side of the ball too, that like I, I just think all around the Bengals are a better football team for sure
1: the Bengals were looking a little shaky like early on and we were like yes. the, like the ravens are the team in the afc north but i mean yeah i mean it's just been a lot of shakiness from baltimore i know they beat the i mean they beat they beat the saints on the road by two touchdowns and since then it's just been like the last three games even before that a lot of like close close games but i mean they beat the panthers 13 to 3 they put up 27 on the Jags and he put up 10 this week. I know Lamar got hurt. It's just, I mean, yeah, the Bengals defense, I'd say, is is better. I mean, they have a good pass rush. And then on offense, I mean, it's not even close. I mean, Tyler Huntley comes in and he goes 27 for 32 for 187 yards. Like, it's just, there's just no big play potential really for the Ravens. I mean, The Bengals have playmakers everywhere on offense. I mean, even Hayden Hurst at tight end, I'm not sure if he's hurt right now, but, like, that's – I mean, he's a good tight end. He's definitely a playmaker. So, I think you look at it right now, I mean, it's just hard to ride with Baltimore when Cincinnati's kind of better on offense and defense. So, I think Cincinnati's definitely in the driver's seat. And, I mean, I don't know if you want to talk about Baltimore yet, but, like, right now – We can. Their schedule is not – bad I mean this week they're on the road at Pittsburgh and then they're at Cleveland home against the Falcons I mean they could easily not go over 500 over these last five games I mean if they go two and three I think they'll get in but I mean I don't know I've kind of been like even if they get Lamar back I just I think it's a lot for them like it's just like they can never win convincingly like if I see the Ravens right now against any team and the spread is over a touchdown, like, I'm not taking the Ravens. Just, like, a struggle for them. So, I think their upside is definitely capped right now. I mean, if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm not going to, like, storm out of there. I mean, they could franchise tag him. But, I mean, I don't know how serious injury is. But, like, you got to give the guy some weapons. We talked about this in the past, last week. It's just tough. I mean, a lot of pressure is on the defense. And I feel like their defense really isn't, like, a dominant like that. So, yeah, I mean, the Bengals, I think, definitely are the clear favorites right now, to in the AFC North. And I think Baltimore fans are kind of in a little bit of trouble just because I think if they do make the playoffs, I could easily see them getting upset, like, in the first round.
0: This is definitely a team that you kind of have to check their ceiling, and especially if Lamar Jackson were to miss. They say one to three weeks with a PCL sprain. You mentioned their schedule wasn't overly difficult, but a bunch of division games worked in there. I think the first two were both on the road with Pittsburgh and Cleveland. So, yeah, the Ravens are a better team than both of those football teams, but on the road with your backup quarterback, it's going to be a pretty tough thing to win. And, yeah, they played close with Huntley down the stretch last year, but – They lost a bunch of those close games. And I know they were close, but still, they were losses ultimately. Yes, they're tied for the division right now, and they did beat Cincinnati earlier in the year. But with a competitive AFC playoff picture that has right now outside of it, they have a two-game lead on New England and the Chargers. So maybe that would be a difficult jump for one of those two teams. But if Lamar were to miss any extended period of time, maybe three, four, and four weeks, and then come back for that Week 18 game against the Bengals, yeah, I, I think the question is maybe like I don't want to overreact here. Are the Ravens not competing for the division? Are the Ravens like a shoe-in for the the playoffs at all? Lamar, the questions we will talk, I'm sure, a ton about the offseason and what direction he should go with. But yeah, I mean, last year you look at Lamar getting hurt down the stretch, them missing the playoffs of ultimately finishing eight and nine this year. If it maybe things go south now, who knows? And that definitely, like, I don't wanna say people like they'll remember that the Ravens too and like a lot of people around the organization maybe won't be as committed to Lamar long term as you would have thought that they would be in 2019 2020 when he was leading them to playoff victories and specifically in 2020 when they beat the Titans on the road and then 2019 obviously his MVP year but yeah hopefully for Lamar sake he can get back because I'd love to see that week 18 game be a meaningful playoff game you know what I mean when you the AFC North champion. So that would definitely be awesome to see. Corey, let's talk about another quarterback injury. Jimmy Garoppolo goes down. He didn't break his foot. Something I believe it was a sprain is what it got officially diagnosed as. About seven to eight weeks. So they're saying maybe he can come back for the divisional or the championship round. Or 49ers, they finally get everything clicking again after recovering from the Trey loss season ending the injury early in the year. They bring in Christian McCaffrey. They play an awesome game even with Brock Purdy at quarterback. I'm curious, Court, how bad do you think that this injury hurt San Francisco? Because, I mean, we were talking about them potentially being the best team in the NFC. And, yes, we have Jimmy Garoppolo has his flaws and we're not maybe the highest on him. But Jimmy Garoppolo has proven that he continues to win. I think his record in San Francisco is, like, something like 40 and 16 as a starter there. So now you're going to a guy, Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick of the draft this past year out of Iowa State who had a roller coaster career at Iowa State. I definitely followed it pretty close. He was really good as a sophomore. His junior year was a little disappointing. His senior year as well, but fell a lot in the draft. And he's just like – sometimes pressure can get to him and he can just make some head-scratching plays. But, again, this was a guy – I mean, after his sophomore year in 2019, who people thought maybe could be a first-round pick, so there's some talent there. But what do you think of the
1: 49ers' long-term outlook now? See, I think when, when you look at the 49ers, like an injury to to their quarterback doesn't hurt them as much. I mean, Dallas even too. I mean, I don't know how like your like your upside is, but like if Jalen Hurts goes down, I think the Eagles are like done. I mean, you look at the AFC, like, yeah. Mahomes, Allen go down like. I think you look at the Niners. Team who, yeah, I mean, they kind of lean on their defense for sure. And then Jimmy G goes out there, wins football games. But at the end of the day, he's almost close to a game manager. like Guys like Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes are supposed to go out there and be almost like Superman for their teams. Like if Brock Purdy can just go out there and not turn the ball over, get the ball in his playmaker's hands, like Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Ayuke even like George Kittle, even use check, like just get the ball into those guys' hands, run the ball, got a good run game. I know Elijah Mitchell's out now, but you have Chris McCaffrey. So, and then lean on that defense, still a good O-line. I mean, Trent Williams, obviously a top tackle in the NFL. So, you know, I, I think it doesn't hurt them as bad as it would hurt another like top contending team. I mean, I have to see more of Brock Purdy, but I mean, you're a seventh round pick, Mr. E., relevant and you go out there and you you take over for Jimmy G and you win the game against honestly like a good Dolphins team I'm not saying it's a good defense but like it's a good team like it's a good team win and I think right now like the confidence for him has to be pretty high I think this week's definitely going to be a more challenging test I mean the Bucks defense is pretty good so yeah but I think I think the 49ers still could get out of the NFC. With Brock Purdy, I think you put any type – I mean, Lung's not, like, terrible. Like, you put Nathan Peterman in his offense, yeah, they're going to be bad. But you put Purdy in this, I still think he could get the job done, be a good game manager. And the Niners could lean – It's not like they weren't getting elite quarterback play from Jimmy G. So if he could just not turn the ball over, I still think this team could get out of the NFC. Yeah, I'm –
0: don't know how willing I'm far to say that they, they can get out of the NFC. Maybe I can say that they'll win a playoff game with Brock Purdy. which to be able to win a playoff game with a backup quarterback still, if you ask me, is an impressive theater. Maybe even get to championship weekend. I'll even maybe one-up that. I mean, Garoppolo, if you ask me, I thought was playing pretty good football these past couple games down the stretch and before that Saints game. So that's kind of where you were getting that, oh, maybe the 49ers can win the Super Bowl, even with a guy like Garoppolo. And obviously when Garoppolo's, Towards like the lower level of his play, then you're like, okay, yeah, he really is a game manager. Maybe at some points last year, even late in the year. But yeah, you look at some of the like games that he played in the playoffs last year. They were able to win playoff games really. Not to add like Jimmy G again was, yeah, he was a glorified game manager then. Purdy's obviously a rookie. I think that's one of the things. Maybe if he was like a backup, like a little more experienced and stuff, he would have like be able to deal with some of that pressure. There's definitely going to be some nerves that these last five games of the regular season, hopefully he's able to overcome. But you know, this is a statement win from the 49ers to give up a 75-yard touchdown on the first play from scrimmage and lose your quarterback early and ultimately really handle this Dolphins team. I mean, Nick is not getting talked about enough as potentially winning Defensive Player of the Year. Three sacks in this game. Dolphins did not convert a third down all game, which for their high-powered offense is crazy. Tua had probably – you could say his worst game of the season. Both of their offensive tackles were out in this one, so that's definitely to keep note of. That was a big thing going into the year that they were able to bring in Teron Armstead, move Austin Jackson over to the right side, and get let and get the ball out of his hands quickly. That's been Mike McDaniel's M.O. on offense. So hopefully Armstead can get back. I believe they also just signed Eric Fisher, former number one overall pick in 2013 by the Kansas City Chiefs. So let's see if Fisher's got anything left in the tank and hopefully he can help keep Tua upright because that's a big, big key for them. They were also without Jalen Waddle for a little bit of this game. He was a little banged up. That doesn't seem too major in the sense of, like, hope he, he should be back this week, and he'll be He probably returned to this game. But I'm just saying, maybe that, like, when you don't have both of Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle out there, I'd love to possibly see two of splits without Waddle in this game. Like I said, just two overall was just a little off in this game. San Francisco was able to do a really good job of getting pressure on him, and Brock Purdy was able to handle the offense really well. For a seventh-round pick to come off the bench and get your first – like I know he got some game action in that Mexico City game on Monday night against the Cardinals, but your first extended game action and under a lot of pressure – Against the eight and four, eight and three Miami Dolphins, and you play that well. I'll tip my cap to Brock Purdy. He made a couple big throws, he's gonna have to continue to get better. But yeah, let's see what Kyle Shanahan and company can do with him there. They won core, Seattle also won, and now that means that San Francisco's one game up on Seattle. Even with Purdy, do you think that San Francisco can keep that one game lead, or do you think that they could potentially be in trouble for the division? Now, I will note they do play. Not this coming week, but in week, that would be week 15 that they play. I also know that San Francisco beat Seattle in the first game. So you'd think that if Seattle beats, like if Seattle loses that, they'd be done. But I just want to bring up the division record before I bring the question to you. They, they probably would have the same division record as well. So then it would go to even more. So do you, basically, do you think that Seattle can catch San Francisco? They'd have to win that week 15 game. But do you think Seattle can catch San Francisco with Purdy at the helm?
1: No, I don't think they will catch – I don't think they're going to catch San Francisco. I mean, I think the Niners are a team – I'm not giving any disrespect to Jimmy G. I think he's a good NFL quarterback, but I just think Jimmy G is not how this team, like, goes. I mean, he's been good, but I think it's just a good offense. I mean, you could plug in quarterbacks into this offense. I mean, also, like, running backs in the past, like, it's just a good – I mean, Kyle Shanahan, just a good offensive mind. So I don't think they're going to catch – I don't think the Seahawks are going to catch the Niners. The Seahawks have been playing a little bit more shaky ball recently. I mean, they lost to the Bucks, lost to the Raiders, squeezed by the Rams. I know Kenneth Walker got hurt. They didn't really have a great run game. But I kind of think their, better, their best days, I mean, I, maybe this will turn out to be a cold take, but I think their best days are kind of in the past, like for this season. So I think the Niners hold off the Seahawks, and I think they win this division, even though it's been a good season for Seattle, and I still think they could squeeze into a wild-card spot. But, no, I don't think they'll catch the Niners.
0: Yeah, I'm in agreement. I mean, we really haven't also highlighted the fact that the Niners have arguably a top three defense in the league by terms of expected points added. They're top two right up there with Dallas. They are the best run defense as well in terms of expected points added. So, Nick Bosa, Fred Warner – those two guys, obviously, a little bit more pressure on them to continue this dominance there. But I'm, yeah, I think San Francisco ultimately will beat out Seattle for the division lead. And we will get into Seattle and where maybe they stand in a wild card in a little bit. But I just want to pivot this now to when Jimmy Garoppolo went down, and obviously that Monday right people are thinking oh will san francisco rock with brock purdy there was a wild rumor thrown out there oh maybe even matt ryan should go x for his release and reunite with kyle shanahan like that that's just unrealistic baker mayfield x for his release from the carolina panthers and people of course connected the dots they were saying oh baker mayfield to san francisco baker mayfield will win the super bowl with kyle shanahan yada 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 baker mayfield Only one team put a claim in for him. It was not the San Francisco 49ers. It was the Los Angeles Rams who just placed Matthew Stafford on IR. It's a lost season for them. They're going to be a bottom five team in the NFL. They're just like, I guess, why not? Baker, for the last five weeks, maybe we'll see what we got in you. Apparently, there's a little bit of a connection between Sean McVay and him. I remember seeing something that Peter Schrager, uh, one of the Good Morning Football insiders, tweeted out that they kind of hit it off a little bit at the combine way back when. So who knows? I think this is a like low risk, high reward for the Rams. Maybe that do you put, I know that I'm not expecting Baker to play great football. Look at what the Rams have around them right now on the offensive side. It's an absolute disaster, but maybe Baker is competent enough that he encourages you that maybe you bring him around as a backup next year, because I really don't see Baker getting a starting job next year. It's a real fall from grace for the 2018 former number one overall pick, but, yeah, I mean, released by the Panthers. I think he ends up in a pretty good spot, if you ask me. But I think it's wild that only, like, one team put a claim on for him. Just, like, because, I mean, a couple years ago, this guy looked like the potential franchise quarterback in the Cleveland Browns. And now he's getting dumped by the Panthers. And literally one out of 32 teams wanted him.
1: Baker Mayfield's certainly been a full, like, full-round ride. I mean, obviously, he had his highs, and now he's at his lowest of lows. I think also – I mean, if you're the Rams, you put in a claim. I mean, clearly they're three – yeah, three and nine, I mean, last place in the, in the NFC West. It's just – I mean, the move to me does not really make that much sense unless you really think like think, – I think it's just a good move for like Baker. I mean, obviously Baker gets signed. I don't think – Baker is and is definitely going to – I don't think Baker is starting as the Rams starting quarterback next year, but it's definitely – it's just weird because the Rams obviously have no chance of making the playoffs and they could just ride out with, um, with Walford. But, yeah, I mean, Baker comes in, maybe he could play some competent football and then he can go out and get another job. Also, maybe – the Rams divisional foe the 49ers they don't want the 49ers getting i mean they didn't put in a claim in for him either i guess but yeah they didn't know that oh yeah i mean obviously you just like don't want the niners to go out and get baker it's not even like i mean i guess it's just divisional foes like obviously these teams don't like each other i think that could be part of it also yeah and, we play
0: fantasy football core we would 100% make a petty move like that so yeah <laughs> you know it's a 100 in reason that that was that was the Rams' main motivation that they're like, yeah. oh, are you kidding me? We're three and nine and we might have to watch the 49ers with the Super Bowl. Let's just do everything in our power now to prevent that. And if that means eating a million dollars and putting Baker Mayfield as a healthy scratch their way out, so be it.
1: I mean Baker I think is wasn't it said he was going to start this week? Okay. I will
0: they play they play on Thursday. There's no oh, yeah, way. it is Thursday. The fact Thursday, that, Thursday. that no no it was reported there's if Baker Mayfield is starting on Thursday Yeah, a if you ask me, like, I, I actually realize he will start if you ask me. But, like, Bryce Perkins is the quarterback. I think that might go for them on Thursday or Wofford. Baker Mayfield will eventually be, start a football game for the Rams at some point this year. I, it might even be as soon as next week. This week, I don't think, is realistic. You mentioned potentially him playing for a job, like, next year. I, I was looking at some of the free-engine quarterbacks next year. I just rattle off some names. Outside of, obviously, Lamar was a surefire starter. You got Daniel Jones, Geno Smith, Andy Dalton, Bridgewater, Garoppolo. Like none of those guys, if you ask me, Baker Mayfield probably wins a job over. Even a guy like Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's played like some sneaky good football at certain points this year. Then you got like Sam Darnold, Drew Locke, Minshew, even Mike White. Like Baker's kind of thrown into that tier in a little bit. So Baker Mayfield is not getting a starting quarterback job in 2023 unless he would go into camp somewhere and absolutely wow somebody and somebody were to get hurt. What I think Baker should do is use this opportunity, kind of how Mitch Trubisky used his with the Buffalo Bills a couple years ago. And he went to the Bills, sat behind Josh Allen, kind of got right. And then what did he do? He laid that into – I know he ended up getting pulled in, what, week four for Kenny Pickett. But maybe that's something Baker could do and just get right because the talent is still – the talent was there, at least. And, like, that just doesn't disappear. I mean, Baker Mayfield in 2020 threw for 3,500 yards, 26 touchdowns, only eight interceptions, was top 10 in QBR. Like, this is, this is a good football player when he's on. And he dealt with a lot of injuries last year. This year in Carolina, he was bad. But Carolina's been a dumpster fire this year. Ben McAdoo's also their offensive coordinator. I, I have some strong feelings for him. Yeah, he's in the right offensive mind, I guess. But Matt Rule was obviously fired there. So I think it's unfair to hold a plug on Baker Mayfield's NFL career yet. It's definitely upsetting when you look at the trajectory of the other 2018 quarterbacks such as josh allen and lamar jackson who we just talked about previously but i mean just look at the difference there you got mayfield darnold and josh rosen as the other three first rounders compared to josh allen and lamar just it really goes to show you i know i'm getting this is kind of moving away from baker that just like you could study these quarterbacks all you want man it is you miss like the draft is not a perfect science at all especially at the quarterback position
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, the quarterback position is not like other positions. I mean, obviously, you look at, like, I mean, most receivers are, like, running backs. Like, they come in, and they're kind of studs, More maybe, like, D-linemen. Like, they're just, like, good. But, I mean, quarterbacks are not even, like, guaranteed studs. I mean, even Trevor Lawrence, I mean, I know he's looked, like, better this year but I mean he still had some like poor moments this year I mean it's just tough that's why I think like Herbert people I hate like people like slander Herbert like if you're telling me like who's looked the best as a rookie over like the last few years I mean it's obviously Justin Herbert like he came Mm -hmm. into that Chargers offense was just slinging the rock just like putting up numbers so I mean like Zach Wilson struggled I mean Fields has had his struggles I mean He's doing better now. He's kind of, like, running a lot. I mean, Mac Jones now look good. And then that class, you know, I mean, Lamar and Josh Allen are good. But everyone else, Josh Rosen, like, it's just hard to get your franchise quarterback. That's why you look across the league right now. A lot of these teams, I mean, obviously Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, I'm putting there. Herbert, I'll put in there. Like, Burrow. Then there's, like, a lot of teams searching for, like, a franchise quarterback. It's either, like, they had a guy, like. I'll put Brady and Rogers staff. Yeah, like, of
0: course, like an age, like
1: aging and stuff like that. Yeah, like they're kind of in the process of almost. I wouldn't say like dump this quarterback, but they're kind of knowing like the future is not lying with the quarterback they have now. Like a lot mm-hmm. of the teams are just not in stable like condition. I'll put Kyler. Kyler's got to be like, yeah, he's their franchise quarterback. Like they're not going to, they're not winning anything. It's just, and you just pay him to, yeah, yeah. It's just hard to find your guy and have success. So. I mean, yeah, quarterbacks, definitely, like, the hardest position in – I mean, I texted you, like, a while ago. Like, you look at the NBA, like, guys, like, number one picks these days, like, they're not really being a bust. I mean, Paolo Boncaro is coming into the NBA and just putting up 20-plus points. Like, in the NFL, you got um quarterbacks coming in, and they're just, like, struggling. So it's just definitely tough. I mean, NFL scouts, I mean, those guys get paid – a lot of money and they gotta come in. I mean NFL front offices, like you gotta scout these guys and see what you like. I mean the Jets haven't I mean, you thought Sam Darnold and Zach Wilson, it's just it's just tough. So I mean, it's tough to be an NFL quarterback. It's just a lot. So I don't know. Hopefully Baker could somewhat turn back the clocks with uh with the Rams in this in this limited like opportunity he's got but it's definitely tough.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of similar in the sense obviously in 2020, that was his first year with Stefanski. Stefanski and Sean McVay have some things that overlap, so maybe that's also why they think that he can learn the playbook kind of quicker just because of his experience with that system, so we'll have to wait and see. Court, kind of throwing you back to this like quarterback bus label, it's like, I mean, me personally as a Giants fan, I have stronger feelings to this. It's why like, when you look at a guy like Daniel Jones and you really look at some of these quarterback classes the past couple years, it's like Daniel, like, and by no means am I going to say that Daniel Jones through four years has been this huge home run success. But, like, to just be like, oh, yeah, that dude was a straight on bus. Like, look at the three quarterbacks that I just mentioned in the draft prior. And look at that. Like, how, you know what I mean? At least Daniel Jones is going to play out his time as the starter with the Giants, too. So, like, yeah, I'm I'm in agreement with you that, like, the quarterback bus labels that, like, some people are a little too hard on them. I, I mean, Baker, too. A lot of people are going to be hard on him, just the way that he carries himself. Like that's a guy that a lot of people will just be like, "Oh, I pray that he fails because of how cocky sometimes he really is." Like when he's when it's good, when you're at Oklahoma winning the Heisman, you can and you're beating Ohio State, you can plant that flag on your field a hundred times out of a hundred. But when you're bad and stuff like that, all people are going to remember. And unfortunately for Baker right now, that's what they are. I mean, listen, Baker has dealt with some adversity before. This is a guy who walked on at Texas Tech got hurt, lost his job, and then walked on at Oklahoma and transferred to Oklahoma as, a as like, wasn't on full scholarship right away. So I think that this – I don't think that the book's done on Baker Mayfield. Maybe his days as a franchise quarterback of some team, but I'd like to see Baker stick around and maybe get one more shot eventually down the line. Now let's circle back kind of to these NFC playoff teams because I kind of went a little bit off-tangent there. We talked about Seattle winning briefly. We talked about the San Francisco 49ers winning briefly the nfc playoff teams court just had an unbelievable week i mean none of them lost the cowboys and the eagles both won huge i mean aj brown was so good against his former team that the titans fired their gm today for for trading him now that's obviously not exactly 100 true but yes the titans gm did get fired today which john robinson had been there for a bunch of years but they went big the eagles the Cowboys on Sunday Night Football, what was it, thirty-three unanswered points in the fourth quarter or something that like that? It got so bad that the Colts were taking knees at the end of the game. Um, the Vikings, the Vikings, I mean, core, your Jets, man, one for six in the red zone, like, brutal, man, I, I don't care if you got Mike White at quarterback, I don't care if you got, well, you can't go one for six in the red zone, it just can't happen.
1: Nope. I mean, I couldn't watch the game. I was on a train back, but you know, I'm checking this. uh couldn't even watch it on any stream, but I'm just like checking like GameCast and stuff. And I mean, I see these, they, they actually were completing some, some big passes. I mean, Garrett Wilson, I think is definitely the truth. I think he's um, solidified himself. Could be a number one wide receiver for years to come. I mean, you're driving down the field. i It was, they were down. I think it was 20, it was 27, 22. Yeah. And you're driving down the field. I think it was under two minutes. You got first and goal at the four. I mean, You get four tries. Like, I think they even got – they gained three yards on the first down. You get three tries to gain one yard and you just can't get it. Mm -hmm. I mean, just a brutal loss. I'll continue – like, I don't mean – like, the Vikings just continue. I know they beat the Bills, but they just continue to show they're very shaky. I mean, they're winning these games, but, like, I'm just not convinced that this team will do anything in the playoffs. Like, I think their ceiling is legitimately just one win. Like, I can't see them getting to an NFC Championship game. They're just not better than the Niners, Cowboys, or Eagles. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, my my, my roommate's actually a Vikings fan. He's, like, talking all this, all this uh, trash to me. Like, I mean, the Jets had 200 more yards of offense. I mean, we're one for six in the red zone. Your team is, at the time, nine and two. I don't know. It's just, like... I wouldn't be talking trash of that. I mean, a win is a win. It just wasn't like that convincing of a win, but Hey, you look in the scoreboard. I mean, you look in the standings, they are still in first place. I just think they're poised. I mean, they're like bound for somewhat of an early um, playoff exit. Still. I'll, I'll stay with, uh, I'll keep my word with that until like they actually prove me wrong. I don't think they're going to go anywhere in the playoffs, but.
0: Yeah, I mean, before that, I'll just say the Jets were also 3-for-16 on third down against one of the worst pass defense statistically in the league. That also does not help them, along with their 1-for-6 in the red zone on scoring touchdowns. Just can't settle for that many field goals. Going back to the Vikings, 9-0 in one-score games is the absolute – that is just absolutely 1,000% 1, one of the most unsustainable things in football right now. That's just not going to keep up. They're two no, no, for some right? – yeah. They're like, you
1: no, know, these guys are like – the 2021, 2022 Providence Friars in uh, yes, yes, I for mean those they, college basketball fans, you're 100 right, Corey. It's a it's a good comparison. I mean, they got to the Sweet 16, but still, I mean, we all knew like Providence is not bound for anything like deep run. But they yeah. also walked the Providence. Also,
0: I'm pretty sure walked into a 13 seed in round two, right?
1: They got Richmond round two, but hey, it's or, a football yeah, 12, pop- yeah. comparison. You can keep going though.
0: No, that's a, that's a great comparison because it's 100% right. You can look at the team and you could be like, yeah, maybe they're going to win these regular season games and stuff like that. But I don't want to say what for because, yes, if they win this week, they literally clinch the NFC North, which is an impressive accomplishment. If they end up winning 13 regular season games, hats off to the Vikings. But at the end of the day, you don't play to win 13 games in a regular season. You play. So on the second Sunday in February, you can hold up the Lombardi trophy and – I just don't think you can say that right now about the Vikings. Again, I'm going to bring up uh, expected points added. They are literally dead average, league average on both offensive uh, EPA and defensive EPA. Like for a nine and three or not nine, nine and two, nine and three, 10 and or ten and two. Excuse me, ten and two team. That's absurd. Like that's just unheard of. They are underdogs this week against the Detroit Lions. If we'll get into that pick later, f- a five and seven Detroit Lions team. They are underdogs too that. Kind of just. Shows you what Vegas, at least, thinks of them. Moving on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, I don't know how they end up winning this game. I saw somewhere uh, New Orleans had a 98-point-something like point something win probability, and then Mark Ingram steps out of bounds for some reason with, like, six minutes left instead of getting the first down. Then on third down, they don't get it. Brady scores a touchdown. They go three and out in 20 seconds. Brady gets it again. I mean, on that last drive, finding his guy, Chris Godwin, I it. I don't know what Tom Brady does sometimes, and how good of a motivator he must be. But I mean, this is now the second. Obviously, we've seen it so many times over the years. But this is just the second time in like the last what five weeks that Brady and the Bucks have absolutely stolen a game like this. Even when every like everything's not going good around him, and like his team's like not good, the Buccaneers are not that good of a football team at all. Like Tom Brady is still able to find a way, erase a race thirteen point deficit against one of his arch nemesis, like the Saints in the regular season this past couple of years, I mean, you tip your cap to that man. That guy clearly is able to motivate people like nobody else.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, Brady, you look at them since, I mean, they really haven't even put together one game this year where you're like, oh, the Bucks are back. They've won a few, like they've won six games this year, but like looking up and down this schedule payout, I mean, there's just not, I mean, yeah, Tom Brady's the GOAT, I think like the Vike. I mean, the bank, the Bucks could win these one possession games, and you'll still have more belief in it just because it's Tom Brady and the Vikings have Kirk Cousins. But like you look up and down, I mean, Week One, they beat Dallas, they scored 19 points, they held the Cowboys to three. They beat the, they beat the Saints. I, I'm, so, I'm, so,
0: I'm sorry, to, I'm sorry. To, like you said, the Bucks being back, I think in Week One They're they that, that was their best game of the season. But we wouldn't, we were just like, all right, that's the same old Bucks that we're gonna get, right? And then yeah, it's just been. Ugh.
1: Yeah, I mean, you lose 14 to 12. I mean, you could say the best game they've played was a loss. And it was because they were actually putting up points against the Chiefs. I think since then, this team just doesn't put up points. I'm like looking, I didn't like look at this before. Yeah, they have not put up over 20, 24 points in, in anything. I mean, even less than that. I mean, the one offensive, the one good offensive game they had was against the Chiefs where they were trailing most of the game by like multiple scores and they were just airing it out. Like I just think the bucks right now, like there's not a good football team. I think, I think Vegas has to continue to give them like some type of respect just because it's Tom Brady. I don't like, they don't, even if he's 45, he's Tom Brady Think this week, even with Brock Purdy. I mean, the bucks might win the game, but I still think like minus three and a half. I think it's kind of absurd. I mean, I think even with Brock Purdy, I'd still make it, like, San Francisco, like, minus six. But when you look at this team, like, they just struggle. Like, they have so many three and outs. It's actually crazy. You can't really run the ball. And when their O-line, like, folds a little. I mean, Brady, I mean, obviously 45. You just can't escape. And it just – that's what happened. And like, I was talking before, I think, you look at all the teams, like, struggling mightily this year. It's – yeah, I mean, the Bucks, the Rams, even when they had Stafford, like, the Packers – these are all quarterbacks this year who are just not really mobile at all. I know Stafford won the Super Bowl last year. But, like, these quarterbacks, their O-lines haven't been great. Like, they're just not able to evade as much pressure if you let them hold the ball for a little bit longer. Like, top teams like the Eagles, Bills, Chiefs, even, like, I mean, Dak, that team has a really good defense. 49ers have really good defense. Like, the other teams, like, the Eagles, um, Bills Chiefs could go out there and get the job done like strictly with their offense right now, but I mean like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers like Stafford like just have not played good this year I mean, Russell Wilson's kind of like mobile, I mean he's looked terrible too, just think like right now the game is definitely evolving into either get the ball in your hand quick or like just just like you need a mobile quarterback I mean even Lamar, if you put Tom Brady on the Ravens, they're actually like terrible i mean Mm -hmm. like they're under 500 i mean he's 45 but like definitely lamar jackson being mobile in that offense definitely helps them so i think yeah i mean they're gonna have like a good old line or like two yeah like you said earlier two against the ball out of his hands quick i mean jimmy g has a good old line able to like just get the ball to his playmakers but yeah i think mobile quarterbacks right now they are definitely definitely crucial in um in the league right now i think it's trending in that direction
0: yeah i mean one other name that I think you could throw out too, that is extremely immobile. And it's shown Matt Ryan with the Indianapolis Colts, their offensive lines kind of fell apart a little bit this year as well. That, I mean, if not, he has to lead the league in turnovers as well at the quarterback position. But yeah, I mean, it's one thing too, specifically, I'll say with the Rams and the Bucks, they can't run the football either. So it's definitely something to look at too, how possibly defenses have been playing them. Keeping them in the pocket, just sending extra guys, potentially even two, and really forcing these makeshift offensive lines that both these two teams have had. I mean, the, the, uh, the Buccaneers still haven't figured out their offensive line this year, their problems, like, and just really test those and really attack some weak links. It's a good job for the defensive coordinators who have had a game plan against the Bucs this year, because, I mean, the Bucks' offense even last year was, was, was it last year that Brady led the league in passing yards? Yeah, right.
1: Yeah, it 5, last year, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah, Because it was last year, because then he walked out, like he would have walked out leading League of Passing Yards. And again, this year it's just it's just a tale of two years, but we'll we'll see. I'm not, of course, don't write them out yet. No, but if you ask me, it would be very surprising. I think there's a fine line between the Vikings and the Buccaneers and the top three teams in the NFC, the 49ers, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. I think that's a very fair judgment Uh to say and i think that a lot of people would tend to agree with us the last two teams we'll talk about in the nfc are washington the commanders and the giants who tie first of all the fact that you could still tie in the regular season it it just bothers me and like i said maybe i'm gonna be a little but like i'll be a little strongly opinionated here because it's tough core on a sunday to walk out of a football game being like yeah my team tied although this tie could actually technically help both teams because with Dallas having one of the wild cards locked up. These two teams are in a fight with Seattle as well. Seattle at 7-5, both of these two teams. I mean, Washington 7-5 and 1, but the Giants at 7-4 and 1. So this could potentially help them if they all have the same amount of wins. Like Seattle gets screwed there. Uh, Even I was looking at like the Lions too. If the Lions were wanting to go on a run, that like puts them in a problem too with the tie and then they don't even have the tiebreaker over Washington who they beat earlier this year. I don't know. This game clearly didn't get to really tell us who was better. I thought that the Giants had a lot of – I didn't think this was Dable's – I thought it was honestly one of Dable's worst games as a head coach as well as the offensive play calling. They just had a lot of self-inflicted wounds, even on like a third down in overtime. They got guys running into each other and then just not being aggressive in overtime as well. I thought Daniel Jones did a great job early with his legs, and then towards the end of the game they kind of went away from it. One alarming thing, Saquon Barkley on the ground, like – really over the past couple weeks hasn't been what he was early in the year. I will say this, the Giants defensive line was unreal in this game. The Giants defense made ultimately I thought pretty good outside of a late drive from Taylor Heineke who just – oh, it, it, it's unreal with this guy Heineke. He just always seems to muster something together. But these two teams will play in week 15 on Sunday night football. So that is a huge – whoever wins that game I'm thinking will end up taking – like I don't know if both of these two teams will make the playoffs and Seattle, but definitely for sure – Whoever wins that week 15 game, I think, will lock themselves in pretty good. So I'm definitely excited to see that. But, I mean, overall, it's pretty exciting, though, to have all four NFC East teams in at week 14. When you were looking at this division a couple of years ago, it was one of the worst divisions ever. So maybe it gives a little hope to the NF- to the AFC South. Uh, the AFC South, one of the worst divisions I've ever seen. If you just look at it top to bottom, even just like skill-wise, I mean, even the Titans' wins this year are – Like I was looking at them before, are just uninspiring. I think I actually don't know if the Titans have a win this year against a team that's above five hundred, or maybe they have one. So, Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I think I'm looking right now. I don't see
0: they don't they don't have a win above a team above five hundred this year. So that you could argue is one of the worst divisions ever. But they beat the Commanders. That's about it. They beat the Commanders. I take it back, Corey. They beat the Commanders. What was that stat you told me to? One in twelve. The AFC South is against the NFC East. So sometimes, you know what I mean? It is just the luck of the draw with your schedule. And people can, like, I think sometimes people underestimate that part. And, like, even earlier in the year, two people were, like, talking to me about the Giants and stuff. I was like, you just don't understand how lucky the Giants got with their schedule this year. Like, when you luck into a bed, like, this is a ripple effect of how the NFL is set up with your schedule, that if there's a really bad division like the AFC South, you have the whole division in the other conference that plays them. Aka the a- NFC East this year set up in prime can- prime position right now to potentially have all four teams in the playoffs. But I'm curious to what you think on Washington Giants. Do you think that either one of these two teams are significant, like is significantly better than each other, or do you like you or know, who, who do you think makes the playoffs over the over another? Basically, Cord, make your game pick for Week 15. Basically, who's a better football team?
1: See, I think both these teams are kind of sim. I wouldn't say like similar, but I mean like they're both teams who. You look at, like, on paper, they're not going to, like, blow you away, but both teams definitely got a lot of grit in them, a lot of, like, determination, like, heart. I mean, honestly, like, I hate to go – like, I said the Giants previously, but, I mean, I'm kind of going to, like, lean towards the commanders, I think. You look at the quarterback play, I think it's – I hate – like, I think – I think I'm taking Taylor Heineke over – Stop that. Stop. Right stop. now. Stop. I mean he's got better weapons on the
0: outside. <laughs> stop. I'm not even gonna let you finish that set. Did stop.
1: I mean, Jones is better like- def-
0: de- I'll give I'll give Walking this. Their defense is probably better than the Giants. Mm-hmm. especially how they've been playing. Their defense, how they've been playing, has been better than the Giants. The Giants came up a whole ton of yards. The Giants came up yards in punches. It's honestly kind of crazy. They've also, they're have also they also pretty hurt. Hopefully, they get a little bit more healthy. But, yeah, I will not let you finish that sentence, by the way. Do you think the Lions can catch either of them? The Lions are 5-7. and seven, Just had a huge blowout win against the Jaguars. And Jared Goff, Cor, on, on, on your free time later, go search up Jared Goff's stats at home and on the road this year. At home, the guy is literally a top-three quarterback in the NFL. It's disgusting. And on the road, he can't play. But I'm curious, at 5-7, and if you think
1: they're catching anybody. Can the Lions catch them? I want to say they can, but, I mean, I think they're going to win this week. I mean, hey, this schedule down the stretch, I mean, they do have some road games. I mean, you're at Lambeau. You're at Carolina. You're at the Jets. I mean, you probably think if they want to have at least a chance, you got to go at least – Nine and eight. So I mean you gotta go at least four and one. I don't think they're gonna catch him. I think it's a little too late. But I think they definitely have a solid future. I don't know if you ride with um Goff for another year. I mean, he's played well. I mean, so I don't think they're gonna catch him, but I mean, hey, there's a reason why the Lions are minus two and a half. I don't even know who the the, the Vikings got out. I know they got like Christian Darisaw out on the on O line, but he was out last week too, so. I mean, I don't think they're going to catch either one of these teams, but like, if you told me like the Lions had to play the Commanders or the Giants neutral field like one game, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know Jared Gaff on a neutral field, but I think the Lions, I think it's just a little too late, but I might have to take the Lions over both of them. Even though the NFC East is very like battle-tested, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's just crazy talk. I think.
0: I don't think. It, I mean, the Lions beat the Giants. The Giants dominated the Giants two weeks ago. Like the Lions do not get enough credit for how good offensively they've been. Their defense is a mess. Like their secondary. I mean, they played pretty decent against the Giants. Like their secondary is not great, but like running the football too, they are very good And offensively. They have been an above average football team this year. They, they're they a solid team for sure on the offensive side of the ball. So I I am I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I think it's just like a too much of a tall task. I do think actually Goth too will at least be on the roster next year in some sort, but I mean they gotta feel great about the fact that they have the Rams pick and they can use so with two first rounders, you can afford to use one on a quarterback. Will it be the Rams pick potentially in the top three? You taking Stroud or Bryce Young, or maybe with your own pick, which if you don't make the playoffs, eight-win team, probably in the 15, 16 range. Maybe you move up a couple picks or maybe you can stay put and you take a will Levis and Anthony Richardson who's that, or maybe people say that their upsides are great, but they are a little raw right now and could use that time to develop, which Jared Goff could potentially give them that time because Jared Goff has played some real good football this year. So we're going to make our game picks as well. I know we're kind of a real good, like lead into. So are you going with the lions? And I hear you right there at minus two and a half in forward field against the Vikings
1: this week. The Vikings have been able to win all these one-possession games, but, I mean, with a line of Lions minus two-and-a-half with, like, no – I know, like, like, yeah, maybe the O-line. There's no I, – I looked at the injury report. saw has a
0: concussion. He's questionable, but aside from that, they do not have a major injury.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I don't know. I, I think – I don't know how the public's playing this one. He lines like – the lines? Not lions, like – spreads like this are just so annoying because you look at this, I mean, realistically, I know the Lions have played good ball, but, like, to give this respect to the 10-2 Vikings, like, you think, like, Vegas makes this line maybe, I don't know, minus three, minus two and a half at the Lions, and they just make it, like, in the Vikings' favor, and they make it Lions minus two and a half. I mean, it's just such a walkie line. I don't even know if I would touch it. If I'm gonna have to, I'm like, I'm not gonna take a 10-2 Vikings team here at underdogs. Like it just seems like such a trap. So Vikings, I mean, the Lions have played good ball at home. I think maybe Vegas is trying to take into account the analytics that how close games like the Vikings have played. So, you know, I'm gonna ride with Jared Goff and the Light in the Lions to win this game in Ford Field and uh cover minus two and a half. I think they get it done.
0: Yeah, I thought it was insane a couple weeks ago when the Cowboys were like minus two in Minnesota. This is even crazier. This is even more nuts. And again, there's just no way I am taking the Vikings here. I will take the Lions here because like Vegas, like this is a, this is a pure example too of that. Vegas does not, Vegas throws your record out. When Vegas has these fancy algorithms score that try to predicting a victory between two teams, guess what stats not in there trying to figure it out. How many wins that team has? They don't, they don't care about how many wins you have. So the Lions have played real good football this past month. I think they're going to be able to keep it up. This Vikings defense is not good. Like specifically their pass defense, Amara St. Brown is a superstar and I think he's in tune for a big game. That doesn't mean Justin Jefferson's not. I think it's going to be a lot of points and you could maybe ride with the fact that, oh, it's going to be close. And in the end, the Vikings have done a really good job and they're more battle tested than the Lions and they'll come out on top. But I don't know. I like the Lions here to get a big win over the Vikings and ultimately the Vikings who could clinch the NFC North with a victory will have to wait. For next week, we'll move on to the Buccaneers court traveling to San Francisco to play the Niners. The Niners, three and a half point favorites here with Brock Purdy at the helm. Corey, I will start with you first. Are you back in Brady and the Bucs or are you going to go with the Niners here? As you already alluded to,
1: you thought should have been a little bit bigger favorites. See, I think I'm going to have to ride with Purdy and. In the Niners, I mean, I'm not saying. Like somehow the Bucks will probably end up covering in like some ugly game, and the unders definitely got to be it. I mean, I don't see, I just don't see the Bucks putting up over ten points. I mean, they've just been a pretty bad offense. I, I don't see it happening. So, I think I think the Niners win this one. You know, I'm getting like a type feel. I think I think the Niners win this one like ugly type score. I'll say it's like a thirteen to six. The, the Niners win this game. So I think, co- I think they'll cover the spread. Yeah, I'm torn
0: on this one. I think that this would normally – like this would be a spot where I would really like the Buccaneers, a road team coming in after the 49ers just got a nice win, and but, like, the backup quarterback has his confidence up a little bit, but, like, it might be almost like a down-to-earth type of game is what I'm trying to get at, especially a Buccaneers team that likes to get after a quarterback. Getting after a young rookie quarterback is the easiest way to cause mistakes, force turnovers. But they like on a shorter week now with the like the Bucks. I, I I just don't like this team enough. I just don't they're not a good football team at the end of the day. The San Francisco 49ers are a significantly better football team. I don't care that Brock Purdy is at quarterback for the favorite. I'm gonna take Brock Purdy over Tom Brady, like his and his team. So I'm gonna take the Niners here. I think it's gonna be close, so I'm kind of conflicted on the like on the number if it's within a field goal. But simply because I don't like the idea of taking Brock Purdy in a close game over Tom Brady, I will take the Niners to win by more than three and a half. So I'll take them here. Their defense at the end of the day is going to win them this football game. I think they're going to dominate. And I think that Purdy is going to just be able to play in rhythm, play mistake-free football, which I say the Buccaneers' defense has been good this year. Yeah, but they're not as good as you would really expect. Again, they are – above average but they're not this top three defense that maybe they have been in years past and when they won the super bowl so i will go with the niners here one of the best defenses in the league again an efficient offense and hopefully brock purdy can get his first win as a starting quarterback in the national football league the sunday night football game core will be is this the first battle i wonder between the 2020 number five and number six overall picks the miami dolphins travel to Los Angeles to play the Chargers. The Dolphins are three-point favorites here. The Dolphins just had that tough loss in San Francisco against the Niners. I'm kind of torn going back and forth between this one. I don't know how I feel. The Chargers just had a tough game, and honestly, they just looked like they couldn't really help protect Justin Herbert. It's been a tough year for the Chargers with all those injuries going on there, and because of that, because I like the Dolphins to bounce back here, I'm going to take the Dolphins minus three in a game that I don't necessarily love, but in a game that I think that signals Anthony kind of off the Chargers, just like having really any hope of them even winning a playoff game. Like normally this would be a spot where I would love the Chargers. Normally old Anthony would say, yeah, we're going to take the Chargers here because I think Herbert is the better quarterback. And like, yeah, their defense has been bad, but this is a home game. It's Brandon Staley who can devise up some blitz schemes and maybe get after Tua, but I'm not going to go with that. I'm going to go with Mike McDaniel, who's a better head coach here in a bounce back spot in with two weapons on the outside who are going to take advantage of just an underperforming secondary. So, yeah, I'm going to go with the Dolphins getting right with a nice win over the Chargers on Sunday Night Football. I'll take them minus three.
1: I think this should be an, ex- this should, should be an exciting Sunday Night Football game, like a good prime time. I hope game. so, yeah. I mean, the Chargers, you look at you just, like, think like they're going to – I mean, they've kind of been a little bit of a disappointing team. I know they've had injuries. They play the Chiefs well. But at the end of the day, like, they play the Chiefs well. But they always lose in a close game. I think in this one, you know, honestly, like, I like the Dolphins, but I'm not fully sold on the Dolphins. Like, you look at the Dolphins. I mean, they did beat Buffalo. That was a game I wouldn't say was really convincing to me because I don't think it was, like, necessarily their style that they wanted. And I don't think, like, they're a team who's going to, like, win – in like a, like a grinded out type game. And that's kind of like they won. It was just 100 degrees there. I mean, you look at their wins. They've beaten the Steelers, Lions, Bears, Browns. Like, they've just looked really good. but They just lost to the Niners. So it's just, I mean, the Niners have a really good defense. I think this, if this is going to just be like, it's going to have to be a shootout. And I think, I think like right now, do I, which offense am I going to trust more? It's going to be Miami. And like, I just don't have confidence in the Chargers defense to necessarily, like I have more confidence in Miami's offense than the Chargers' defense to like stop them. I think in Miami's offense is better than the Chargers' offense, so I'm gonna take Miami. I, I kind of buy this to like three and a half. I think it'll still be a good game. You know, I'm gonna take this. I think Miami I, I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna call a push. I think Miami wins this game, 34 to 31, in a really good game between two, I mean, quarterbacks from the 2020 draft. But I'm gonna ride with Miami in a
0: push. I love how you call a push, man. Man. I mean, it's just, it's actually absurd. I'm doing some quick research, but I'm just looking really quickly. When the Dolphins have scored over 20 points this year, they have not lost. So, I mean, even if they, and in their win, some of their wins, obviously they put up some huge numbers, beat the Ravens by, scored 42 against them, 31 against the Lions, 35 against the Bears recently, 39 against the Browns, 30 against the Texans, obviously 17 against, the 49ers last week if they would have beat the 49ers last week i think a lot of people would have been like all right now this team is really legit legit now there's still like that concern out there they're like yeah this is a good team that their offense is explosives and stuff like that but when they're playing the elite of the elite will they rise to the occasion so we'll have to wait and see But this it would be a nice win to go into los angeles and go beat the chargers that's a win that to the chargers desperately need to keep them in the playoff hunt after that ugly loss this past week to the raiders with that being said that's going to be it for today's episode, be sure to check us out on the Instagram at the underscore. Got a real good week coming of football. Like I said, capped off with a really good Sunday night game. I think that game is not getting maybe as enough love as we're giving it there. But that should be a lot of points. That should be a really fun watch on primetime. And a year that primetime game gets disappointed, I don't. you're not going to want to miss that one. So with that being said, that's going to do it for today. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.